0: Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are taking a break from our Exiled series this week so that we can celebrate Father's Day. Joining us as we look at and honor fathers is the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover from the Urban Impact Foundation. Pastor Ed comes to us fresh off two successful Man Up events, which he will be reporting on in this message entitled, Fathers Have a Purpose. Here is Pastor Ed with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, this being Father's Day, guys, how you doing out there? You all right? Right? We're gonna spend a lot of money today, right? Take all your family out to dinner and charge cards gonna go off and it's gonna be a great day. (laughs) I know how that works, believe me. So this being Father's Day, I, I got something for I think all of us though. I really do. I think the Lord's got something for every one of us in this room, especially those of us who are parents and all of you who are yet to be parents. It's exciting. Our passage is found in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. And the title of our sermon is called, Fathers Have a Purpose. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I would ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. That you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we get into our passage, I just want to thank all the men in the room who made it to man up this past Saturday. I want to thank you. Thank you for being part of the movement to impact men and fatherless children. Impacting men and impacting the fatherless. And I want to thank all of you who prayed and volunteered to help impact over 1,300 men and their families this past weekend. So thank you for that. Yeah, Praise God. I call Man Up a movement because it's not only happening in Pittsburgh now, it's happening in Charlotte. Just a couple weeks weeks ago, I was down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was with Coach Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers and also with Thomas Davis, who's the linebacker for the Charlotte Panthers. Isn't that right? Charlotte Panthers? Carolina Carolina Panthers. (laughs) I just want to make sure you were with me, okay? (laughs) And we were down there and God did a great thing. He really did. It was amazing. But what I'm here to say this to you, especially those of us at Christ Church, thank you for partnering with Urban Impact Foundation, because now we're not only impacting Pittsburgh, we're impacting Charlotte. You know, people ask me all the time, what's the purpose of man up? The purpose of man up is to impact men and impact the fatherless. So God has his eye on Atlanta, and God has his eye on Philadelphia. So would you continue to pray that now we will not only impact Pittsburgh and Charlotte, but we'll go to Atlanta and Philadelphia? It looks like that's where God is moving. So you'd be praying. But we, we Christ Church Urban Impact, we're making a difference in men's lives. And we're making a difference in father, fatherless kids. You know, uh, Man Up's purpose, as I've already told you, is about impacting fatherless kids. But I want to say this. People will come to me and say, why do you focus so much on that? The reason I do that is because, number one, God is the father of the fatherless. That's how he describes himself in the scriptures. Two, because America has a huge problem. Do you know there are 24 million children in America growing up without a dad? 24 million. The census came out in 2012 and told us that 41% of all children born in America, were born out of wedlock. That's almost one out of every two kids. Let me break that down for you. That means 29% of all Caucasian kids, 54% of all Hispanic children, and 70% of all African-American children are growing up without a dad in the home. That's grown over 245% since the 70s. So that's a problem. That, that problem's not going away. It's a matter of fact, it's skyrocketing. It's an epidemic in America. So Christ Church, I want to thank you that you're partnering with Urban Impact. And we are not part of the problem. We're part of the solution. We're going to impact Pittsburgh, Charlotte, Philadelphia, Atlanta. And we're going to turn the tide of fatherlessness in our country. And I want to thank God. Would you do me a favor? Would we put our hands together and just thank the Lord our God for what he's doing in our midst. Praise you, God, for what you're doing. You know, I would like to all the fathers in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're a father, you're a grandfather, you're a great-grandfather, or if you're a man or a young man who is impacting children and youth outside of your family. In other words, you might be here at Christ Church impacting kids. You might be downtown through Urban Impact. You might be in some other ministry. But you are impacting kids and young people. Men, would you please stand? Everybody in the room that's doing that. Yeah. Church, put your hands together for them. Let's make their faces red. Come on now. Yeah! Men, we're glad you're in the house. Thank you for being men and godly men. God bless you. You can be seated. You know, today, this being Father's Day, we're going to focus in on the father of fathers. Father Abraham. And what we're going to learn in our passage this morning is that God chose Abraham to bless the world by being a godly father. Did you hear that? Bless the world by being just a godly father. Look what it says in the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 18:19 it says this, "For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children in his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised." And God is telling Abraham that he will fulfill the promise if Abraham is faithful to be a godly father to his children. And to his household. And what is the promise that God has given to Abraham? It's found in Genesis chapter 17 verses 1 through 4. And it says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you. And will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down. God said to him, as for me... This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Abraham was chosen to bless the world by being first a godly father to his children and to his household. God was calling Abraham to have a vision for his children, for his grandchildren, for his great-grandchildren, and those beyond. Have a vision for the world by being a father. Was Abraham faithful? Absolutely. For God describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who is Isaac? Isaac is the son of Abraham. Who is Jacob? The grandson of Abraham. And then it talks about the nation of Israel. So God used Abraham to build a legacy of spiritual legacy that passed his family into nations. The nation of Israel. But it doesn't stop there. Every one of us who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we call ourselves a follower of Him, we can trace our spiritual legacy all the way back to Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. Father Abraham. So Abraham's legacy continues on. men, I hope to God you understand the purpose and how significant you are as a father. That your role as a godly man is absolutely significant. It's significant not only for your family now, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. That if you will love your wife and love your kids, and you will help them grow spiritually, you will have a legacy that will, will live beyond you. Beyond you. Matter of fact, we've talked to you many times here at Christ Church about the mission The mission of God. It's found in Matthew 28 19. It says that we are to go and we are to make disciples. And we are to make disciples. That means not just be a disciple, but make disciples. Men, that is what we're doing in this room today as men in in our families is making disciples that make disciples. So that your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your children after that will grow up with a spiritual heritage. They will walk with God. And God will continue to bless this world. Amen? Amen. Your significance as a father, God is counting on that you'll be the one and your family that will keep the faith on the earth. You know, when you look at the book of Revelation, you find out in those end days, God cannot find faith on the earth. And that's because the men failed. The men failed in those days. But not us. Uh Uh-uh. We're in the house. And we're studying God's word. This is Father's Day. We're the men of God. Amen, men? We're the men of God. We're the men of God. We're going to learn from Abraham, and we're going to be that godly man. And there are four things from our passage. That, that we need to do or recognize to be a godly dad. The first one is this Fatherhood is, is a God given purpose. Fatherhood is a God given purpose. Look what it says in verse 19 For I have chosen him. Who is I? God. Who is him? Abraham. Notice that Abraham did not choose God, God chose Abraham. And he chose him for the purpose the purpose of being a godly father. A godly father. Abraham was, look, was to look to his role as a godly father as a divine, hear me, a divine calling. It wasn't a job, it wasn't even a social responsibility. It was his calling. It was a divine calling. Men, if you have children, your call, part of your call, is to be a father, a godly father to those children. It's a divine calling. That means it's not an option. That is what you're called. That is your purpose. To raise those children in the ways of the Lord. Which leads us to number two. A godly father needs to be the priest of his home. To be the priest of his home. In other words, men, we need to be the spiritual leaders of our household. Look what it says in verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct. That word direct is huge. His children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Abraham told, was told by God to be the one who is to give direct. Direction. To be the spiritual leader. He, that word literally means to instruct. To teach his children. What? Chil, children, the ways of the Lord. The scriptures. So that they will know the difference between what is right and wrong. Man, that is your purpose. That is what we're to do. We're to be the priest of our home. And the only way you can do that is if you know the word of God. Man, we need to be men of this book. The men of the book. We need to know the scriptures. You can't teach what you don't know. You've got to be in the word. You've got to be in the word. And God told Abraham, man, if you'll teach and you'll be the man of your house and you'll be the spiritual leader, I will bless you. I promise. You know, man, that means that we're the spiritual leaders. That means that your wife in the church can come alongside of you and help you, but you can't delegate that to them. That is your responsibility. You've got to be the spiritual leader. Again, the church and your wife can help you, but you've got to leave. You've got to give direction. You've got to be the spiritual leader. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 9. 6 through 9. These commandments, talking to men. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What does that mean? What's that passage saying to us as men? It's telling us this. That you cannot teach the word. The word of God is not taught by accident. You've got to be absolutely intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be purposeful about teaching the word of God. You've got to make a plan to teach it. Because if you don't make a plan, it won't happen. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You've got to make the plan, and then you've got to work that plan. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You have to be intentional. Does that mean that wives and mothers don't teach the word of God? No, no, that's not what God's saying, and that's not what I'm saying. As parents, of course, we're to teach the Word of God. But men, we're to give direction. We're to give leadership to it. We're to help our wives together make a plan and then together work that plan. Many people come up to Tammy and I and they'll say to us, it is amazing how all your kids are walking with the Lord and how they marry godly women and how they're all in ministry and so on and so on. Look, at, look right here, folks. Look like right The Glovers are a hot mess like the rest of you. <laughs> Believe me. We have problems, we have issues, we have things going on in our lives, just like you. But one thing we did right, the one thing we did do, Tammy and I, is we made a plan. And we worked that plan. I mean, whether it was Tammy or myself, every night before they went to bed, we got out the Word of God, and we sang worship songs. Did we not, men? And we worshiped, and we prayed. Every night before they went to bed. Every night. Either my wife or myself. And we made sure that they were in church. We made sure that they were part of the of ministry of children's ministry. We made sure that they were part of the youth ministry. We made sure that they were part of our ministry. We made sure of that because we knew and understood this truth. Hear me. We understood this. Whether we wanted to teach them or not, we were going to teach them. Whether we wanted to or not, we were going to teach them. What am I, what am I saying? More is caught than taught. Ooh, More is caught than taught. Listen, folks. Parents, listen to me. Especially men. Kids observe everything. They observe everything. And when you begin to say one thing and do another thing, that thing that you do, they will worship. They will worship what you tolerate. What you tolerate in your own life. If you lower the standard, they'll lower it and they will worship that. I remember just recently, last two days, I was out in my backyard. And, and there was work being done in the backyard to a home right next to us. It was a contractor and two other guys. One of the young men started swearing. And the contractor yelled back at the kid who was swearing, by swearing at him, telling him not to swear. <laughs> and the kid said back to this guy, this contractor, saying, will you swear? And he said this, do, don't, do what, don't do what I do, do what I say that doesn't work boys that double standard does not work listen you've got to practice what you teach you've got to practice what you preach it is absolutely significant and that takes us to our second our third point a godly father practices what he teaches what he preaches Look at verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children in his household, these next two words, after him to keep the way of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that you need to model what you teach. Men, we need to flesh out the truth that we're communicating. Men, we need to, it's time to not only tell, but show. It's show and tell. It's to model your message. It's to practice what you preach. You've got to be the example. Because your kids are watching you. And they will worship what you tolerate. I remember this man came into my office, His father. He walked in and he said, Ed, I'm teaching a double standard in my home. Can you help me? I said, sure, let's sit down, let's talk. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I've always taught my kids not to lie. And my son was caught lying at school and I was crushed. I disciplined him. But the night I disciplined him, as soon as he came home, I disciplined him. We got a phone call at our home, and he picked up the phone call. And that call was for me, he said. But I looked at my son, and I said, Son, tell him I'm not here. (laughs) And call back later. So his son told him what his father told him to say, and he hung the phone up. As soon as he hung the phone up, his dad looked at me and said, And as soon as he hung that phone up, God said to me, the spirit said to me, your son is caught in a lie in school because you're teaching him to lie in the house. He said, what what should I do? I said, you go back to that son and you ask him to forgive you. You tell him the truth. But then you go back and you tell him from now on, when I don't want to answer the phone, This is what you say. You say that your father is not taking phone calls at this time. And that if you want to leave a message, you can, or you can call back later. But he's not available at this time. He looked at me and he said, man, that's good. I said, well, go back and do it. So he went back and he asked his son to forgive him. And he told him what to say from then on. And then he came back into my office. And he literally threw himself on me wrapped his arms around me, and tears rolling down his face, he said this. He said, Ed, you know what I realized through all this? That when I was growing up, my father told me to lie on the phone. So I was passing what my father had given to me to my sons and my daughters. And you know what, Ed, what I struggle with most in my life is lying. Men, more is caught than taught. We've got to practice what we preach. Does that mean that you can be perfect? Not at all. There's not one of us in this room that can be perfect. But what it means is when you fail, when you don't do it right, you're just honest. You go to your kids and you say, I've screwed up. And I'm going to say it right to my family. Have I not come to you and tell you when I screw up? Have I not said that to you kids? And do I screw up? Amen. And we say, hey, you know what? I screwed up. But you get up one more time, then you fall. And you head in the right direction. We've got to keep the standard high, guys. We can't lower it. The world's lowering it. But we're not. We're going to hold it up high. Amen? Which leads us to number four. Number four is this. That we are, godly, we are to be godly fathers. In order to do that, we need to be present. We need to be present. You cannot be, you cannot fulfill your purpose as a father, and you cannot be a priest, and you cannot practice what you preach if you're not present. It's impossible. What do I mean by present? I mean not just being physically in a house. Not physically, just physically there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being physically present as well as intellectually, socially, emotionally, and spiritually being present. Men, there are many, many kids growing up without dads, but there's a lot, of, a lot of kids growing up with dads that are in the house, but they're disengaged. We've got to be present. Now man, I understand it because I live in the tension. I live in the tension just like you. You've got your workplace and then you've got the home. And there's this tension in between the two. There's demands and responsibilities down at the workplace, and there's responsibilities and demands in the home. And how in the world do you find that balance? There seems to not be enough time in the day, and you can't seem to get it done. How in the world do you get it done? Then people tell you that your kids spell love, T-I-M-E. But the meanwhile, the workplace is demanding that you be here, you be there, and you feel the pressure to provide for your kids, to put a roof over their head and food on that table, and there you find yourself in the middle of that. How in the world do you keep the balance of those two things? I was talking to the same situation with my friend, uh, Clint Hurdle, who is the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we're talking about how to be a godly husband, how to be a godly father. And he said this to me, and I've never forgotten it. He looked at me and he said, Ed, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect at this, but I am striving to be this. I'm trying to be where my feet are. I'm striving to be where my feet are. If I'm down in the dugout, I'm down in the dugout. If I'm up at the front office, I'm at the front office. If I'm home, I'm home. If I'm with my wife, I'm with my wife. If I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. I'm trying to be where my feet are. I'm trying to be present right there. And men, I'll tell you what, it works. But it takes great discipline. And what I'm learning in my life, and I don't always do it well, my wife tells me all the time, you got to get off that cell phone. you got to get off that cell phone. And she's right, and I try to put it down. She's my reminder, and I say, okay, I'm going to be present. But when you're present, you know what? I've learned how that happens, men. It's by practicing the discipline of the presence of Christ in your life practicing Jesus Christ in your life. What happens is he enables you to focus. He enables you to focus on your kids. He's able to focus at the workplace and he enables you to make a plan so that it can happen so you can work that plan. Men, if you don't work a plan, if you don't put it on your calendar, it won't happen. So you've got to sit down with your wife and make the plan so that you're wagging the tail and the tail isn't wagging you. Don't let your workplace or anything else tell you what you're going to go do. You sit down with your calendar, with your wife, and you plan it out for a year so that you are not just, you're not a perfect father, but you're a priority dad. You put it on the calendar, you're going to keep your word, you're going to hold to it, and you're going to be there. And when you're there, you're going to be present with them. Amen? Listen, the world, the flesh, and the devil is going to do everything he can to distract you, to keep you from what I just said. You've got to fight. And I mean fight. You've got to fight for your family. You've got to fight, men. You've got to make that plan. Don't delegate that to your wife, and don't delegate that to anybody else. You step in and you lead. Amen, guys? Come on. Amen? Amen. And you might not... Listen, I end with this. Listen, we, we need to be there. But I'll tell you the one thing that keeps men from really being a godly dad is a lack of confidence. You know why? Because what ends up happening is that we end up being tripped up. The pitfall of being a godly dad is the same pitfall that tried to ruin Abraham. Abraham was not perfect, he tripped up with sin all the time. Go back and look at his life. But when he, when he tripped and he fell, he got up one more time than he fell. And he continued on. Man, I know that we're in a rat race. I know that I know how this works. We're in this race together, and we're running. But some of us feel like we're on a treadmill. And when we run, we're running, we're running, we're running. It seems like we can't get anywhere. It's like we can't seem to break through. It doesn't matter what we do; we always seem to be behind. Something always happens to distract us, to keep us from what we know we're supposed to do. And but we run, but it's like we're on a treadmill, going nowhere. And some of you, like to if you were honest, you'd like to get in a car and you'd like to drive out of here and you don't care where you go, you just want to leave. You want to quit. And some of the reason why you want to quit is because men in your life, all you've ever seen is men who quit. Men, look right here, especially young men, look right here. Don't quit. Don't quit. Second, if some of you in this room, you're not on a treadmill. You're running, but you fall more than you run. And the world, the flesh, and the devil's got you by the tail. And it's because of secrets and sin and temptation. It's just got its day with you. And as you run for a little while, you fall. You run and you fall, and you want to quit. It's like you want to give up. I can't break through. Men, if you want to quit or you're falling... You want to be like Derek Redmond. What Pastor Jared and I want from you, want for you today, is to be like Derek Redmond. Hear me. You remember Derek Redmond? He ran in the Olympics in 1992. And he ran in the 400 meters for, the great, for great, great Britain. And he was supposed to bring the gold home for Old England. And he was running in that race. And it was an oval track. And when he came around the corner, his hamstring popped. And he fell right on the track. The runners kept on running, and they finished, and there he sat on that track. But he got up, even though the pain was excruciating. He got up one time, one more time Then he fell. He got up, and he began to hobble around the track, but then something unbelievable happened. Somebody from the stands... Jumped out of the stands, broke through the security, ran up to Derek Redmond, put his arms around Derek and began to help him, carry him. The security came to try to stop him. He said, get out of here, get out of here. Who was this guy? Derek Redmond's father. And Derek Redmond's father came alongside of him because he was there. Nothing was going to stop him because this was his son. This was his boy and he was going to take him to the finish line. Men, the reason why you're not going to quit The reason why you're going to get up one more time than you fall is because you know that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your wife and your family will fall. And when they fall, they're going to want to quit. But you're going to come out of the stands because you've been there and you're going to come and you're going to put your arms around them until they make it to the finish line. That's what you're going to do. And you're going to help them get there. Those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that Jesus said there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Jesus came down from on high, if you will, out of the stands of heaven. He came down on this earth and he died on that cross and he walked out of that grave so that you could know that great truth that you're forgiven. So you can get up one more time than you fall. And when you feel like you can't get up at all, he is with you. All you got to do is look up and call upon his name and he will pick you up when you can't get up. And he will carry you. He will crawl with you. He will do whatever it takes to get you to that finish line. But there's one thing that you have to do. You have to acknowledge him. You have to ask him to be your savior and your Lord. You've got to ask him to help you. You've got to look to him. You can, be, you can fulfill the purpose that God gave to you. You can be the priest of your home. You can practice what you, you teach. And you can be present if you call upon Jesus because he's already overcome your sin from the past and present. Just look to him. So, man, I know this truth. I know it because I've been in ministry a long time. And when I say 24 million children in America growing up without a dad, and then I also know that a lot of dads are disengaged... You might have a father that never blessed you. You might have a father that never put his hand on you. you might never, he never said one thing that was positive in your life. But I'm going to do it for you right here and now. I'm going to ask that every man, young and old, please stand. Please stand. Every man. All the ladies and the rest of the people in the room, just put, extend your hands. If you can, put your hands on their backs, next to them, whatever. Put your hands there. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jared to come up with me and together. Pastor Jared are going to pray. It's going to be like we are the men that you needed in your life a long time ago. Those guys that never put their hands on you to bless you. Allow us to be those men at this point in your life. To just, We're going to pray over you. We're going to put our, it's like we're putting our hands on you to bless you. So that you can be a blessing to your family and to legacies beyond what you even think and believe. That you might bless the world. Bow your heads with us. Pastor Jared and I come to you, Father, and we thank you for these men. As pastors, we give you thanks and we give you praise for you are our Heavenly Father and you are our good, good Father. We agree together that you would bless these men, that they would know that they are loved by you, that you, you praise you praise for them. You are, an encur- you, en- you are encouraged by them. And you only think of them in good terms. Because you have a plan and a future. We pray in the name of Jesus for those men who are struggling with sin, with temptation. Deliver them, Lord God. Today, deliver them. Deliver their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. From their past sins, deliver them. Lord, there's men in this room and families that need to be healed. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ you would heal them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Heal them, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we come this day and we ask, Lord, that when people tell them that they're no good, Tell them how they're not good enough. That in the name of Jesus right now, you would change that recording in their head right now. They would know that they are chosen by you. Created by you. Called by you. And they're not an accident. They're not here by mistake. That you love them and they have a purpose and a future. For Lord, Pastor Jared and I give you thanks. And we bless them and their families for your glory and your honor. And if there's any man in this room or any child or any person who does not know you today, we would ask that they would call upon your name. For anybody who calls upon your name, they shall be saved. If you are here today and you're not sure that you know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, simply pray this prayer with us. Oh, Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sin and walked out of that grave. And I believe and I trust him. And I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, would you please come to Pastor Jared or myself and let us know that you prayed that prayer? This Father's Day, we give you thanks. We give you praise for men who are godly fathers. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.